Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Money FM 89.3. It is drive time. Elliot Danka, Timothy Go, and Chua Tian with you now heading into market view today. Of course, uh, we're going to be talking about that big news regarding Credit Suisse. But first, closing bell. Quick recap of how we started the day. Singapore shares started trading in the positive territory today, tracking gains in the US and Europe. In early trade, the Straits Times Index was up 0.5% at 3,220 points after some 51 million securities changed hands across the broader market. Now let's take a look at the closing numbers. The benchmark STI closed up 0.06%. We're looking at 3,207 points. In terms of value turnover, that's 970 million million sing dollars. Now, gainers outnumbered losers 289 versus 216. Top advances for today, we have New Incorporation USD, DBS and AEM sing dollars. And top decliners, GMH USD, Shangri-La Hong Kong dollars and DJ Live Tech. Now, in terms of companies to watch, we do have Catalyst-listed Don Agro International. The Russia-based agricultural company has proposed to sell its crop and milk production businesses for 6.2 billion rubles, or around a 113 million sing dollars. Now, meanwhile, from UBS preparing to X over half of Credit Suisse's 45,000 strong workforce to SIA's remuneration for its chief executive, corporate headlines continue to be in focus. And joining us on the line, we have Robert Sinclair, Managing Director and Strategies at Fullerton Fund Management. Robert, welcome to the show. Yeah, good evening. Pleasure, pleasure to speak with you. And great to have you on board with us. So, Robert, let's start with the usuals. How did the STI fare today? Yeah, so um, it was a reasonably positive day, I think, as you outlined in, in the feed, uh, that the gainers uh, outweighed uh, the losers, and I think the market ended reasonably um, flat. In case it fits with our kind of broader assessment at the moment that the STI is going through um, a bottoming process. Um, of course, there was the sharp correction with the Q1 uh, GDP numbers for Singapore, but we think that a lot of bad news has been priced in, and there's some key sectors that are showing uh, signs of rebound, especially across industrial space um, and capital goods. So that's it's positive, I think, for the outlook uh, for the rest of the year for, for Singapore-based investors. Robert, uh, looking at the biggest movers today, were there any that stood out for you? Um, no, no, I think it was uh, a reasonably steady day and it's been, you know, uh, I guess a function of, of this bottoming process that um, there will be some uh, cyclical ups and downs. And uh, But I think that at the moment, uh, one thing that we take away is encouraging and I guess it's tied in with the rebound uh, in Asia trade in general, but also the AI story is a lot of the industrial uh, and capital goods stocks uh, in Singapore um, have held up quite well. And I think that uh, they do have that uh, positive longer-term story, which can be helpful going forward. Robert, let's uh, talk about Don Agro. It's a Russian-based international company listed on the SGX. Now, it's proposing to sell its crop and milk production business for 6.2 billion rubles. That's about 113 sing dollars, million sing dollars, I should say. Uh, The shares are up as well because of this. But what do you think of this move, though, given all that's happening uh, in Russia, particularly, what happened over the weekend? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess that's been a stark reminder to all investors that geopolitical risks uh, are still with us. I guess what we don't know is the economic rationale um, around uh, the decision now in terms of, of timing. I guess what I would note is, of course, Russia has been living with sanctions for um, a while now, and that's probably not going to change um, anytime soon. So I think from an investor uh, perspective um, and thinking about their country exposures. The key thing is to uh, have some alternative assets in your portfolio, some gold uh, or even cash, um, especially now with, with the yields being attractive, uh, because, yeah, geopolitical events can shock from time to time and, and, and those kind of headwinds are still with us, I think. Hmm. And staying in Singapore, uh, Robert, let's take a look at SIA or the aviation sector in general. Uh, but as far as SIA is concerned, its chief executive, Go Chun Pong's remuneration up 86% to $6.7 million for the financial year that just ended. The board also rewarded shareholders with a proposed final dividend of 28 Singapore cents per share and uh, bonuses for staff as well. Commenting more broadly on the aviation sector, could we say that the airlines are out of the woods yet? Um, yeah, I mean, it's certainly there are encouraging signs that um, there is, you know, significant rebound coming back uh, into aviation and air travel in general. So if we look at some of the key, I guess, passion, passenger flows across Asia, and of course, they're important to Singapore Airlines, uh, is what's happening in Japan in terms of tourist flows and also China, I guess, as well. And um, they have uh, recovered a lot of the ground, of course, that was lost uh, during the COVID um, time period. So I think that uh, timing-wise, it's certainly um, second half of the year uh, looks more positive uh, for the aviation sector. And, and we're kind of, I guess, mm. seeing early signs of that uh, in Singapore's share market. If you look at the, um, the tourism and hotels uh, sector, uh, it has... Uh, sold off, of course, with, with the weakness with the Q1 GDP numbers, but uh, it does look like it is going through a bottoming process. So I think that the second half can certainly be stronger for that sector. Mm, if you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Robert Sinclair, Managing Director and Strategies at Fullerton Fund Management. Well, uh, Robert, let's take a look at the big news of the day. UBS preparing to uh, cut over half of Credit Suisse's 45,000 strong workforce. I mean, we know that the businesses do come with uh, quite a bit of Overlap doesn't seem like a surprise. Still, how are markets reacting then? Um, I think these things are always uh, very difficult to call when you have mergers between um, financial institutions and especially large financial institutions. There's always going to be mm. some rationalisation and things uh, that that occur. I think that from a market perspective, I, I would say they would focus more on the bigger trends in terms of what's happening in the banking sector in Europe and, and also in the US. And I guess. Um, from the global perspective, and this is hitting Europe as well as the US, of course, it's likely from the stresses that we have seen that regulatory costs uh, are going to go up. So that is, I guess, creating an incentive um, for the financial sector to go through some cost rationalisation. Um, there could be a bit more to do in Europe maybe than, than what we see in the US. At least the US might have been ahead of the curve in terms of, you know, we'd heard a lot earlier in the year, uh, the financial sector in the US had also been uh, looking to constrain costs. So I think it's an understandable reaction in this environment, given that, that regulation uh, is probably going to become more demanding um, going forward. And mm -hmm. I think that, you know, 
financial institutions are taking the opportunity to try and improve their efficiencies and, and look at their costs more closely. Mm. And meanwhile, Robert, the Wall Street Journal reported yesterday that uh, the US will consider new restrictions on the export of AI chips. And in fact, shares of NVIDIA and AMD fell about 1.4% on the news. How much of a dampener is this for tech firms then? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, it's always been, I guess, a headwind uh, in investors' minds in terms of, you know, how the intellectual property trade flow dynamics can work out and, and, and what regulations may change. I think it's important to keep an investor's mind that the impacts of AI uh, is huge on the U.S. domestic market um, without the, the trade angle. And, of course, uh, it does spill over into so many different industries. So it's not just consumer-linked products, but also industrialization and robotics and all of these kinds of things. So I, I think that uh, it's still going to be an uncertainty going forward about how trade flows uh, are regulated, but I think that uh, often is the case the economic uh, arguments do come uh, through quite strongly, and I guess we have one good example of that in terms of the Biden administration with the special export licenses uh, that are now required for certain sectors uh, to China. Um, 75% of those um, were approved. So, um, you know, there, there is still an economic uh, means to uh, for these kind of trade flows to, to continue. So I wouldn't be too mm. pessimistic about it because I think that the U.S. domestic market is also very important to the whole AI story. Right. And, uh, well, since we're talking about the U.S., let's stay with it and uh, talk about President Joe Biden because he told donors at a fundraiser that he thinks the U.S. will avoid a potential recession that economists and banks have long been predicting. The likelihood of that happening looking at the recent consumer confidence data out of the U.S.? Yes, yeah, so we, we are positive and we've held the view for a while that um, the U.S. Uh, can avoid um, a recession. And I, I guess it's sort of somewhat of a decoupling in terms of consensus GDP forecasts uh, where they've remained positive for the US and actually have been revised up this year uh, versus the kind of binary survey question of do you think a recession mm. is likely um, or not? And that one has always <laughs> been above uh, 50%, I think, for the last yeah. six months or so. But it, for us, I guess what's more important is that that survey has been quite stable. Mm. And at the same time, you have seen consensus revise up US GDP growth from half a percent point uh, they were expecting in January for this year to something over 1% now mm. uh, for this year. So I think that um, it's a fair assessment to say that, uh, you know, recession is postponed um, and, and, you know, growth uh, this year is perhaps performing better than expected. So I think uh, President Biden's uh, observations, uh, you know, have some merit. Mm. So I'm just trying to get around the fact that Fed Chair Jerome Powell has said that more rate hikes are needed, perhaps two more rate hikes this year. So Given the fact that we are doing two more rate hikes instead of the one expected by markets, mm. we will still not enter into a recession. Is, is that? Um, yeah, no, that, that, that's a good point. And I think that what was quite interesting about the Fed's forecasts when they presented them, and it actually it's the first time this cycle mm. um, that you are right, they have revised up their rate path. So they're now saying there could be one or perhaps two uh, more rate hikes. But at the same time as they were doing that, 
Um, they also revised up their growth forecasts quite mm. significantly. And uh, that, that's quite unique yeah. uh, for this cycle. Um, so we kind of took that as a message that uh, in their judgment, which I think, you know, um, has, has merit that um, the economy is proving perhaps more resilient than people expected mm. um, and uh, is navigating the higher interest rates um, uh, quite, quite well. And uh, I, I think that's probably what has given the Fed that extra boost of confidence to be able to revise up its growth view, but also to say, hey, we might need to have another rate hike or so. All right. Thanks a lot, Robert. That was Robert Sinclair, Managing Director and Strategist at Fullerton Fund Management. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Indeed. Thank you so much. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.